Welcome to the Edited Podcast, where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. From fashion, beauty, and homeware, myself, Grace Hill, will be chatting to leading experts in the industry to shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. So after a small break, we are really excited to be back with the Edited Podcast with our first episode. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the spring 2022 runway trends. After what seems like forever, we are finally seeing the return of IRL runway shows and presentations. Each season at Edited, our expert in-house team of analysts cover the shows extensively with specific reports catered to each city. And once the shows are done, we will round up the top commercial trends and add our data alongside it to make sure that you are making the most informed decisions. We'll be joined today by Hannah Almasi, Editor-in-Chief at Who, What, Where UK, to talk about what trends we've seen on the spring 2022 runway. We'll be focusing on the trends across each of the cities, what's new and how the shows have shifted post-pandemic. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first ever podcast recording. So I'm very excited. How is that, how is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so used to doing in real life events um, prior to yeah. all this madness. And yeah, and I've been on mat leave for a huge portion of the pandemic, which is mad. Um, so yeah. yeah, getting back to it now and my first podcast. So thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. And obviously for our listeners, could you start off by telling us about your role as editor-in-chief at Who, What, Where UK? Absolutely. So I came onto the team six years ago now. I was actually the first person on the ground in the UK ready to fire up the sister site to our kind of very established US business. So who, what, where here serves the UK and Europe. Um, and my job really at that stage and continues to be is to find those nuances and differences between our markets and to be tasked with establishing a kind of localized content strategy and editorial calendar. I launched all the UK social channels from scratch. I built out the editorial team. I oversee the execution of branded content. And, and of course, I'm really uh, integral in finding that organic growth wherever we can, whilst maintaining a very core fashion and beauty reader. I don't know about you, Hannah, but obviously I'm thrilled to see, you know, the return of IRL uh, runway shows and presentations. Obviously, the past few weeks we've seen presentations of what we can expect for spring 2022. I'd love to know from your perspective, like what major trends have caught your eye the most so far? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you, Grace. It's been really exciting to see everything unfolding. And for me in particular, like I mentioned, I have been on mat leave during a big portion of the pandemic. And so I felt very detached. It was really, really strange to kind of think, is it happening? Is it not happening? Is everything going to suddenly change at the last minute? But what it really feels like to me, even from a distance, because I haven't been able to attend all of the shows in, you know, Paris and Milan and New York, like I normally would, there's just such an energy to it. To me, the kind of the big fashion houses seem even bigger and more powerful and that they really understand how integral this moment is and how it, how it has to be, you know, in inverted commas, a moment. It's not just a runway show. But also, I do think it's exciting how this has opened up some, some more kind of interesting, unusual options for smaller brands. I can remember a few years ago, it felt like things were getting 
very homogenous insofar as like it's a white runway and everybody shows on a runway and it's all the same format and it became a bit stale and I think you know for for better or worse it needed some shaking up so I can feel that energy and I can feel the excitement of everybody getting back to it but in the way that works for them best and I just feel like it's such a visual season and I think that sounds very obvious but I think it was Tom Ford who said clothes now just need to be photogenic that's all most kind of what fashion people are living for to photograph and document (laughs) that they got dressed and they went somewhere and they did something so all of the trends that I'm really picking up on are very very visual and quite striking Mm -hmm. so firstly I think there's no denying about vibrancy of colors saturated hues um it's almost hard to pinpoint one you you and your data analysts will be much better at doing this once you've (laughs) crunched all the numbers but I've noticed um a great deal of yellow there's orange there's kind of highlighted green there's so much of it out there and it really has continued on from the past season specifically but I mean it started earlier than than that really um what I have noticed within that trend especially with how our readers are engaging with it and how people are wearing it that that we're kind of featuring is that it's this very much kind of dedication to one color head to toe mixing and matching same as print clashing it's that slightly more advanced step that that some of us can't get to grips with so that kind of highly saturated one color committing to it I think is definitely going to be a big one next year then this idea of kind of new sexy sexy 2.0 whatever you want to call it (laughs) I mean it's so hard to not really hate the word sexy um but there's almost no better adjective for it. So it's really designers are, are turning these old tropes and codes on their heads. It's this new state of undress that's kind of more liberated, more diverse. And there's this really interesting balancing act that I'm noticing between, say, an outfit that is very um, stereotypically sexy, you know, it's small, black, cut out, see through all the stuff in one, in one look, but it might be worn with like a really big oversized jacket or some stompy shoes or sandals. So there's a kind of slightly more approachable take on what this means now. And I think that's how it will best translate into people's wardrobes. But also what I've liked about it this time around is that I'm seeing it on some different body shapes and sizes. It can be so um, old fashioned to just see these pieces on your regular straight size models. And it's nice to actually see that there are women like me or women who are bigger who can kind of confidently feel like this trend is for them as well so a couple of other trends I no no escaping it some designers have really literally gone on holiday um, with their collections so there are a lot of designers who have taken a very connected stance between where they're actually looking for inspiration the destinations and the clothes that are coming out it's really quite obvious that you know that collection is Spanish or that collection is Mexican or that collection is from Hawaii so it's quite tongue-in-cheek and I see it as an extension of everyone's current desire to like a not only only go on holiday, but B, to have that moment of really dressing up. Last but not least, you just can't deny it, whether you like it or not. 90s, noughties, that Y2K mashup of that, all of those years put together. Um, it's just everywhere. And although many of us may feel like we've done it already and we're not sure about doing it again, I think there are some interesting takes on it that don't feel as extreme. However, there will definitely be some kind of headline moments coming through there at the end of Fashion Week from the likes of um, Miu Miu and Chanel. I feel like suddenly Fashion Week just ended with this 
enormous bang and so much hype. And that 90s supermodel moment at Chanel was just, it was all over my Instagram feed, everybody going crazy for it. And those, I mean, skirts that are not skirts, they're basically belts at Mew Mew (laughs) are going to be covering so many magazine editorials. Absolutely. It does feel like we've kind of been transported to like Christina Aguilera's like dirty video, I feel like with all these sexy moments. It is fascinating how that has come back with such a bang. And obviously, Hannah, like with, as you mentioned earlier, you know, obviously you're giving kind of a a localized approach to the trends that you're seeing. But how have you kind of maybe seen the trends differ from city to city, you know, across London, New York, Paris and Milan? So, I mean, there are always the obvious style comparisons to make between each city. You know, London's a bit more punk and New York's a bit more commercial and Milan's blah, blah, boom and, and all of those kinds of very documented ideas. But I actually feel like there were more similarities running through the cities this season than I've experienced in the past. A lot of the trends were very similar. The mood was very similar. I really loved that there was more diverse casting actually across the board. And I really hope to see that translating into ad campaigns, lookbooks, all of that kind of stuff as well. So for once, I actually felt like there there wasn't this significant difference between each city. So I, I don't know whether I'm just wrong because I wasn't there. But from the outside looking in, I feel like there were all these threads tying everything together. And I guess, you know, one thing I did want to ask, were there, were there any kind of major fabrication breakthroughs or anything that you have been seeing too? Yeah, a couple of things really stood out to me. And primarily they all fall under this kind of umbrella idea of texture, which I feel is one of the primary ways now that luxury houses can really separate themselves from any sort of fast and furious knockoffs which we all know, unfortunately, does happen. (laughs) Additionally, I feel like it's just this desire to to have something tactile again. You know, a lot of my fashion life over the past two years has been predominantly lived online. And I'm really keen to kind of get into stores and feel things and try things on again. And part of that is sumptuous, interesting fabrics. So I have seen a lot of these kind of handcrafted, hand-finished, uber luxurious moments. Chloe has launched a kind of uh, a selection of items called Chloe Craft. It's all kind of hand created by artisans. It feels really special, you know, everything through to Valentino's incredible detailing that basically looks like couture, but it's ready to wear. But then you've also got the other, the flip side of it that probably is a bit more London that's DIY, punk, spirit kind of crafting things together a bit Matty Boven and throwing it on with something fab um so I've seen a lot of that this kind of hand spun idea which actually is a continuation of what's been going on for autumn winter 2021 additionally going back to my earlier point of things being photogenic I feel like the show-offs of the fabric world are really present so it's like feathers ostrich feathers everywhere in bright colors (laughs) um I mean I can't look on my feed without seeing a feather trim from somewhere like 16 Arlington Lace, lots of lace again, and these kind of negligee type finishes, organza, fringing, so much fringing, particularly in New York, but it's a favorite trend um, through the summer, really, isn't it, for that bohemian look. And then uh, aside from those kind of more textural ideas, there's a lot of pushing forward with kind of environmentally friendly, sustainable, smart fabrics. There's some flip-flops at Gabriella Hurst that were made out of of a 
kind of flip-flops that are rescued from the ocean and compressed into these kind of chunky soles. It was very, very clever. Um, Vivian Westwood used a lot of dead stock fabric. Stella McCartney finally launched her kind of mushroom leather idea. She felt it was ready. Loewe had compostable sneakers. There are a lot of really interesting things going on. And whether that information will, will kind of get to everybody who's buying them, I don't know, because the important thing is that the pieces look great. And that's where sustainability needs to sit in that that's not the only thing telling the story. It's that the item is covetable in the first place. So yeah, those are kind of the top fabrications I've seen, but I'm still yet to actually go to those press days and touch everything and see everything up close. Yeah, actually see it in person. Yeah. You know, last season at Edited, we obviously noted that Versace was hugely popular among celebrities with their platform sandals and their mini dresses. And obviously we had Prada that were also, you know, championing texture and psychedelic prints. Um, but I'd love to know from your perspective, what who have been the standout designers and designs for spring 2022 and maybe some standout shows? I feel Mimi and Chanel, that, that last moment of Paris Fashion Week just smashed it. Um, I just don't think I saw any other shows as frequently regrammed or infused over on social media. I know that the team internally at Who, What, Where were all chatting about it on our, our kind of work messaging channels. So those two, I think, are going to be hugely influential, very popular, and probably very hard to get hold of for samples, no matter which celebrity you are. <laughs> but like I said, I do feel we're going through this phase where there are wildly different styles and aesthetics out there. And all of these brands are finding their kind of natural ho- homes and their little cult followings and these people who are super, super dedicated to them. So in some circles, it will be all about that sassy look at Mumu and Chanel. In others, I think there's this big kind of outpouring of love for the experimentation of, say, Jonathan Anderson at Loewe, which was spectacular, or Daniel Rosebery at Scaparelli, which, you know, for some people feels so removed from their own wardrobes, but for many others, it's a really exciting, fantastical kind of moment. And then you've got this new wave of minimalists, you know, the Peter Doe's and the Jill Sanders. And I can see a lot of buyers getting very excited about those brands. But then other names where I feel like there's a lot of hype, Gabriella Hurst, both for her own line and for what she's doing at Chloe. I think her, her approach is really smart, really modern very, very thoughtful. And she really is great at storytelling, not only about the brands, but through the clothes as well. They they feel so special and so luxurious. And then Balenciaga, the look is really specific and quite extreme in some instances, but it just has this amazing connection with, with a younger audience that Simpsons video and the kind of faux staged, is it real? Is it not red carpet moment with fashion celebrities? The whole thing was just genius and, and a perfect example of how fashion can be entertainment or should be entertainment, depending on how we look at that now. And I guess you, you mentioned, um, obviously very specific designers with very loyal, you know, cult followings, but are there any specific, you know, emerging designers that we should be taking note of? Yeah, I'm probably a bit biased here, but I would like to take a moment to do a a London Fashion Week shout out really, because I feel it was such a strong season for those new up and cut, say up and coming names, because they're still new in comparison to the more established London designers. However, they do come with that built in 
following thanks to social media and celebrities and celebrity stylists who are willing to do something a bit more creative and outside of the box. So Nancy Dojaka, I'm so sorry if I've said that wrong. Maximilian, Harris Reed, Knowles, uh, rebranded from Charlotte Knowles, uh, Yuhan Wang, Richard Malone, so many names and so many wildly different aesthetics. And I think that's why they each have their individual followings and their individual hype. So obviously last year, Stella McCartney um, was really championing the kind of the 60s and 70s nostalgia. And obviously that was, you know, it's a, that's a personal favorite era of mine. Um, have you noticed any decades influencing designs this year or this season, would you say? Yes, there still continue to be a handful of references to that 60s era for sure. It's more aristocratic from what I can tell than psychedelic or hippie. But really it's 90s, noughties, Y2K that's dominating. Again, I think it will be a case of it translating in different ways for different audiences. So there will be a crowd who want to do it in a very dedicated way. And when I look on TikTok, I'm astounded by the outfits that I definitely wore when I was 15 and someone else thinks it's cool again. But for some of us, it will just influence in really subtle ways. You know, whether it's a a cutout top here or that continuation of the idea of nice top and jeans, is it cowboy boots or, or is it a certain type of coat, for example? I don't think you have to do the look as as a total flashback, but it's undeniably there. Absolutely. And are there any kind of specific heritage items I know that you, you think have made a resurgence this season on the runway? You know, we've seen things like, you know, pedal pushers or anything that's been reimagined for this year. Yes, I really felt after the Prada show that I suddenly wanted a classic kind of moto biker jacket again. The difference with those was that they were quite big. They were quite masculine Mm -hmm. looking and really kind of swamped the models. And I actually really enjoyed that proportion. Um, So it would definitely be about making it oversized. So the one I I owned maybe quite a few years ago might be a bit too form fitting and tight. But at the same time, I know it's a classic item that always, always looks good. It's neither on trend nor off trend really and then that 90s noughties piece that I think will really take off and and we're already seeing it in terms of what's available at many retailers now are these kind of stretch flares jersey flares they feel like a very natural extension of where we've been the past few years you know loungewear leggings comfy trousers uh, you know knitted cohorts that kind of thing but they just have a slightly 90s lilt to them there are a lot of lower rise trousers that are going to be coming in, in addition to lower rise skirts, jeans, cargo pants. Um, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> Especially no, I think we should boycott the trend. <laughs> <laughs> this can't happen. <laughs> yeah. And then um, in addition to that, I think for any retailers that have found their consumer is really into a slightly more revealing look or crop tops even, we're just seeing so many triangle bikinis and bikinis as tops, um, which perhaps is no surprise because that idea has been rumbling uh, on for a little while now, but it really is quite retro, that tri- simple triangle bikini. You know, Morant even had them layered over t-shirts. I saw that, at, I think, at Anasui as well. So if you don't want to go full bikini, there's always a layering trick there. And I have a feeling they weren't that present, but I just have, have you know, a little crystal ball moment. I think boob tubes are going to make a comeback. 
Definitely. I mean, that's such a classic look as well with like your flared jeans. And like, again, it speaks to that like nice top and a jeans, you know, trend that I feel like people like to wear and is easy to outfit. But obviously footwear and accessories, you know, they typically take the back seat to the apparel, you know, looks. But what have you seen as those key accessory and footwear trends um, from the runway this season? I've seen a lot of lower heels and chunky flats. I mean, that's been a trend for so many summers in a row now, very much staying in fashion because of, you know, the necessity of them and how much we've enjoyed wearing them and how how free they make us to do the things that we want to do in the summer. Heels are definitely making a comeback. However, I would say they are for for fancy moments. They are for making a statement. They are not so much an everyday shoe. But I was really intrigued to see how popular Loewe's very surrealist heels were, the, the kind of stiletto spikes that cracked into an egg or those bars of soap. Again, super kind of viral and photogenic. It could be a moment for statement heels again, but I think on a day-to-day basis, you're still going to see lots of people wearing their Tevas or Birkenstocks next year and making those uh, sassier outfits just seem a little bit more dialed down. I guess it all comes back to comfort as well, which we just continue to hear, you know, the consumer just craves and demands comfort. And as you said, you know, you're not probably expected to wear maybe a heel to work or, you know, a heel during the day. It's definitely more, um, I guess, socially appropriate to turn up in like a chunky boot with a nice dress or something like that. But what would you say are the key items that retailers really need to take away from the spring 2022 runway shows and kind of ensure that they've got included in their spring assortments? Sure. I think there are a few key dresses um, and that they can be tweaked to suit the consumer. So yes, these very skimpy, tiny cutout dresses are popular on the runway, but there are many more kind of subtle iterations that can be moved onto the shop floor. So tie detailing, subtle little slices cut out, perhaps layered sheer fabrics. Um, that's one dress trend that I think is going to be really, really key. We can already see that it's popular for autumn, winter, 2021. So it's a bit of a no brainer at the moment. Knitted dresses continue to really be quite significant. They're a very easy trend that suits a lot of people. And again, Grace taps into that comfort idea without it being sloppy or feeling too casual. And then super brights, super bright dresses will continue to dominate as they have done this summer. Additionally, I think tailoring looks like it's set to be very important yet again. So if people haven't already invested in those kind of more oversized suiting looks, you know, a bigger blazer, some wide leg trousers, I think those will be a great workwear solution for next year, but also quite a cool weekend vibe too, when you wear them with trainers and a t-shirt. Mini skirts, absolutely. Legs are back as much as I, you know, I'm terrified of wearing short skirts and don't think I have done since about 1999. But I know that there are many, many team members who are already trying them out for size. Bikini tops and that crop top idea, the layered crop top idea. I think anything with a bohemian, crafty, crochet, fringing kind of finish. Again, very easy to translate into dresses, but we can see a great deal of traction with um, statement tops here at Who, What, Wear. Chunky flat sandals, 
And also additionally, just a bit of a styling note, but potentially moving into that realm of cohorts. I've seen a lot of dresses over trousers, great for the modest market, but also just feels like a cool, fresh antidote to, you know, maybe if you're not a mini skirt person, or if you're not even a dress person, it's just quite a cool way to to wear an easy outfit that looks pulled together. Absolutely. So Obviously, we've seen some big runway headlines from this season with obviously PLT staging a runway show at New York Fashion Week. We also saw COS now showing or starting to show at London Fashion Week, which is, which is great. Um, why do you think brands are making big moves like this? And, and do you think it will pay off for them? So it's such a kind of important, buzzy, engaged time for anybody who's interested in fashion and beauty. So it makes sense that brands want to hijack this period. It's not something new. It just feels like it hasn't been around for a while. So if we go back a few years, I mean, how important was the Topshop show during London Fashion Week and the Topshop space? Um, RIP. <laughs> <laughs> there's a gap in the market for that kind of moment, I suppose. And um I think where Cos did it very well is that, you know, their aesthetic and their point of view, it's very elevated. And also there was a lot there that was shoppable. So it feels like a modern way of doing a, a runway show for a high street brand or a more contemporary brand. I do think there's a there's a tricky line where some things just don't feel special enough perhaps to be in the in the midst of of greatness but also you know it is a key moment and I get why brands want to be part of it however the flip side of that is that it is busy and noisy and it can be hard to cut through so I think what you have to do is make sure that the presentation or show or party or collaboration or whatever it is that's launching around that time really does have a story to tell and is very, very strong. It can't be a kind of last minute add-on. And it's a busy schedule. So I can remember a period of time where there were so many other external non-Fashion Week brands jumping in on the Fashion Week schedule that actually editors and stylists and buyers, and everybody just can't make it to everything. So there's something to be said for perhaps creating a bigger splash outside of that time. However, I think Cos did a great job there. It's an interesting perspective, isn't it? Like, as you said, like, yeah, great to be involved in these important moments, but unless you're able to cut through that buzz, offer something exciting and different that's really going to capture everyone's attention, are your resources better spent elsewhere, I guess, ultimately? Obviously, COVID accelerated runway seasons, you know, move into a digital space and, you know, shows went virtual. Um, but we're also now seeing designers keen to reestablish physical shows again and move back to the fashion calendar. Why, why do you think this is? And, and maybe what do you think wasn't hitting the mark with virtual runway shows when they were digital? I can't speak on behalf of a designer or a brand. But from an editor's point of view, I think when the schedule is partly digital, partly in person, or just digital, it's really hard to keep track of what's going on, because your day job is crazy as it is. So it's almost like a necessity to be at the shows. Your your whole world is the shows, your head is in the shows. Yes, you maybe are doing your emails and, and your phone or all that kind of thing. 
but it helps you focus on what that season looks like. What is the mood? How is everybody else feeling about it? What's everybody wearing? Um, having one foot in and one foot out. I think with any, any job or any project is actually really difficult to, to juggle and feel like you're fully immersed in something. So there's something about the process as bonkers as it is and as tiring as it is and I'm I know that the the joke is that everybody just spends four weeks telling each other how tired they are (laughs) it does galvanize your thoughts and it gives you a clearer map for the season ahead which ultimately influences from from my perspective influences a great deal of what we do so that's from an editor's perspective. I can't really talk for a designer, but I I feel like there is just an an energy and a clarity that comes with the physicality of those shows. Secondly, I think fashion video in particular, which is how a lot of digital presentations were created, it's just one of the hardest things to get right. It's so easily, in my opinion, um, it can be derivative, it can be naff, they can be slow or boring. So really props to any brand or designer who manages to nail that because I think it's one of the hardest things to do in our creative field. So where I have seen success on that front, I loved Roxander's video for, it was for Autumn Winter 21. It was a, a real storytelling moment. It was Vanessa Redgrave and her family in this kind of country home. Um, and that's where you can create a separation, I think, when you're really trying to tell a story to explain your brand through visuals, um, rather than it just being some gratuitous clubby music. I don't know. <laughs> I think video is just a very difficult medium for fashion. Or you have to be, you know, like have dance and music and do like a Savage Fenty style, huge production, which I'm sure is extremely difficult to uh, to have to pull off too. I guess, do you think maybe the physical shows have proved to be more important in fashion than maybe we thought they were? I think everybody knows the impact and the relevance of the right show at the right time with the right brand. There are all of those elements to get together. I don't think every brand and every collection requires a catwalk. I think there are some brands that are far better to see up close. I really enjoy a a more of a lounge presentation, for example, or one-on-one appointments where those designers who have very kind of in-depth detail and, and stories that they want to tell, you can actually get that chance to gather that information firsthand. So I I think it's been a good moment to reset and just think about, does this warrant a runway show that costs minimally, I mean, the lowest end of the scale is what, 20K? Can it benefit your brand to that extent when there are so many other things going on? However, if something is really grand and show-stopping, it does kind of deserve that moment, that grandeur. So it's, again, finding ways to tailor what has become a very traditional setup to be a bit more open and modern. Also, on the flip side, would you say there are things that have emerged over the past few years with things going digital that you do expect to see continue? I don't know whether it's solely because of the digital element, but this desire or need, a slight urgency really to slow down has been very important and I'm pleased to see it kind of 
designers and brands amalgamating collections, whether that's seasons and drops or whether it's putting together men's and women's, just to kind of take a look at the excess. Where can things be streamlined? Do we need this many big drops? Do we need to have every single version of every item that we're going to sell on a runway? Um, and the same goes, I suppose it's a, a very similar subject for a clearer understanding of how we're impacting the environment, making better, smarter choices across the business. I think we've got a lot to learn actually from the Scandi Fashion Weeks. I recently wrote a piece on Stina Goya and just to see the transparency and the dedication there towards really significant change with it across every facet of their business to be more sustainable, more conscious is really, really interesting. So this moment of reflection and resetting, I hope that it continues to kind of galvanize these conversations and that it isn't just a flash in the pan and we revert back to the craziness of a few years ago. Yeah, I hope we don't. But I think as well, what it's taught us is like, we crave human interactions and like, you know, you people want to, you know, experience things, you know, in person as well, don't they? Not just on a, on a screen. So Hannah, the, the fro or the front row <laughs> has returned in a big way this season. We've seen obviously Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset to Little Kim to Katie Holmes all making appearances. How important is the relationship between fashion and celebrity culture? And how can retailers leverage these opportunities? I think right now, any social media editor will probably tell you the same thing. All feeds thrive on pop culture in 2021. <laughs> it's really more important than ever before. I think we felt for a while that celebrity was was a little bit over. There was less of an interest in what celebrities were wearing. and We were kind of overrun with people who were famous for nothing and wearing whatever was thrown at them. Every I can remember a period of time, maybe 10 years or so ago, where everybody had a collaboration and it started to feel quite diluted and quite predictable. And um, now we have this kind of greater, deeper access to famous people and this kind of seemingly more open relationship with them where we know what's going on in their lives and maybe they're working on a special project and we're privy to it. Perhaps we even make decisions about it as well. And um, so there is this kind of greater uh, interest again, especially off the back of perhaps it being a bit quieter in celebrity land over the past couple of years. You know, we've been slightly starved of paparazzi pictures, which perhaps we didn't think we even wanted. But when they're not there, you might miss them. So there's definitely the desire there to know about celebrities and what they're wearing. And it, it creates hype. Whether they can always result in referrals and sales is a very different matter. So every celebrity is going to be different. You know, Cardi B in Paris wearing like some of the most outlandish clothes certainly makes for great viewing, but will it ultimately sell anything? I don't know. Whereas someone like Katie Holmes, for example, I know our audience really, really engage with, with what she's wearing and buy quite literally from her. So I'm, I'm there to see it all. And I'm really enjoying having celebrities back on the scene again, but it's about making smart choices. It's not just about throwing money at, at anyone to come to a show or to front a brand. 
Definitely. I guess it's if your customer like, you know, resonates with that celebrity and enjoys their personal style. So finally, Hannah, what are your thoughts on Gen Z and Fashion Week? Do you think they care? Um, and do you think brands have been doing things differently to capture this demographic, which we know is so important in retail at the moment? I think in a way, like many other generations, they care about the brands that they feel a connection with and feel an affinity for. And it's important that those brands are aware of the Gen Z audience they may have and that they make the content applicable to the platforms that these people are on. So I don't think they're going to tune in for anything and everything on a traditional channel. I think they're going to want to see very live action on TikTok, for example, or live reactions to what's happening at Fashion Week on TikTok. There's also a great deal of success that we've seen on our TikTok channel around the street style at Fashion Month, for example. So it's perhaps less about some of those runway moments and more about those IRL ones instead. So yeah, I think it's about their level of interest in the brand itself and perhaps not Fashion Month or Week as a whole. And also you can't help but wonder how much are things being influenced the other way around in terms of what's making its way onto the runway. So Gen Z may not be that influenced by Fashion Week, but Fashion Week is certainly influenced by Gen Z and their social media accounts and what they're even buying and selling on Depop, for example. And then in terms of brands doing anything to capture their attention, I would say the Balenciaga so real red carpet and the Simpsons episode was definitely um, touching on that. But also there is this desire from a younger generation for brands to be doing good and brands to be kind of aware and conscious. So things like Gucci Vault, for example, an archive of vintage Gucci pieces, but also these amazing collaborations with up and coming brands that are connected to the label. I think that's the kind of thing that Gen Z want to see. They want to see democracy. They want to see thoughtfulness, but they also want really exciting product too. Absolutely. And again, it goes back to that point of like what cuts through the noise. They want something that's different and it's going to grab their attention. And when you have millions of notifications and accounts and videos on these social media platforms, what's really going to stand out from the crowd? But Hannah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure <laughs> for coming on. It's been so great to chat. And um, it's been fantastic to get your point of view on the season and on what you think is going to be important. So I no, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Grace. It was fun. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Edited Podcast. And thank you to today's guest, Hannah Almasi, Editor-in-Chief at Who, What, Where UK. If you enjoyed our conversation around spring-summer 2022 runway trends, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast where you can stay up to date on all future episodes. If you want to read any of our data on this market, all of the links can be found in the description of this episode. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated Edited team member if you have any questions. And for all of our listeners, please ensure you're subscribed to our Insider Briefing, where you can get all of our latest data, analysis, and strategies for the retail industry. We'd love to know what you would like to hear in our podcast. And if you have any suggestions for themes or guests, you can get in touch with us on our Instagram at edited underscore HQ. I'm Grace Hill, and I will see you next time. Bye.